0: They're going to lose their house and lose their, you know, uh, whatever, um, whatever financial, uh, you know, tragedies are happening. Uh, without exception, none of those were tithers. None of the people that I've ever worked with over the years have been tithers. And, uh, and to be honest, so that means I've never worked with a tither that uh, was in that dire financial straits. Now, that doesn't mean sometimes things aren't tight and you may have to, you know, be a little more careful with your finances in different times and seasons. Uh, but as far as, you know, everything falling apart uh, and the banks are, you know, knocking on your door to come take all your stuff away. The only ones I've ever dealt with that over the years are people who just were not tithers. And, and I've heard every excuse, you know, I've heard people say, well, I can't afford to. And I've heard people say, well, I'm planning on it. And, uh, and, and um, you know, again, that's between you and the Lord. But, um, you know, I've been tithing since I was 15 years old. And um, I've never been a day without without any funding that I needed to do, anything that God's called me to do. Uh, and, and so why would I stop now? Uh, and and, um, uh, and so, um, you know, again, that, that's not to beat anybody up, but we know what the promises of God are, right? We know what the, what the Lord says in His Word that will come about if we follow His Word. But it's really like anything, if we're obedient to the Word of God, there's always blessings that come along with obedience to the Word of God. So, uh, so I always encourage people, be obedient to the Word of God, you know. Um, and uh, you know if, if you say you, you can't afford to start with one percent right you don't have to start with ten percent start with one percent and do that faithfully and then go to two percent three percent you know and before long you'll be at ten percent um, you could start at ten percent I can guarantee you it'll be fine right but um, uh, but you know you work it out your own salvation you work it out your own faith in that and um, uh, and so you know so you know this is really just to encourage you all in that and and really thanking you all for your faithfulness to give because uh, we've got that uh, uh, loan paid off now and, and um, we'll see what the Lord has us to do. Because we always see what the Lord wants us to do with the money, right? And uh, Because we give a lot of money away and we always intend to give a lot of money away. We give it to other ministries and other other projects that people are working on um, because we're not going to just build bigger barns and, and hoard the money for ourselves, right? And, and, and so... Um, And we'll just see what the Lord would have us to do. Amen. Uh, And so, um, and um, let's see. So I talked about the building and then, um, you know, the book is still selling really well. Uh, Dropped off some books today uh, uh, to ship out. And um, uh, it's just uh, it's just doing well. Amen. Uh, And um, um, I guess that's all. Well, me and Jared will be going to camp next week. That's what I was thinking about. So they have, you know, the youth camp up in Blowing Rock. And, um, um, of course, Jared, you know, at his age, he started out being a camper. Now he's a, you know, now he's a, um, uh, is there a word for them? Uh, He's a volunteer, you know, and counselor, right, or whatever they call him. And, um, you know, he'll run the youth games, you know, for different groups and stuff. And and, um, my job is mostly, I'm tech support, right? So I'll go and fix sound equipment for him or... You know, whatever. But also, during a during service, if there's a prayer line or something, and they need people to, usually at the end of the prayer line, if somebody needs salvation or baptized, baptism of the Holy Spirit, they'll send them back to the pastors, and me and some of the other pastors will, will take them and uh, pray with them and, and um, get some information from them as well. So um, so it's a good time, and, and it's a good ministry there, because it's really, as far as youth camps where it's spirit-filled. You know, uh, you don't really see that. You know, the youth camps I went to growing up after I was saved, they were mostly for fun, right? And then, you know, you do a little bit of God in in between things, but it was pretty, pretty watered down. I mean, it was, it was, and very emotional, right? Not much spirit. Uh, And so uh, it's nice to have a spirit filled uh, youth camp. And of course, Brother Randy does that. He's been doing that for many years now and um, really imparts, uh, the spirit of God and the word of God uh, into the into the children's uh, youth into youth life there. So is our microphone not working here, uh, not working well. Huh? So uh, go to plan B, right? So uh, so we'll, we'll be heading out uh, uh, Sunday afternoon after healing school for that. Uh, and so. But why don't we pray and we'll get into the word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God and, and we thank you, Father, that you paid a great price to bring your word into our lives, Father, that, that you moved upon men of old by your spirit to speak things, Father, that, that you as the head of the church desired to leave for us, to, to read and to study and to obtain revelation about it. And so, Father, we treat the word of God as precious, Father, and we ask for you to, by your spirit, to grant unto us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your word, and we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus name. Amen. Well, praise God, we we kind of started all this with uh, Ephesians 6:18, you know, where it talks about uh praying with all manner of prayer uh, and so we have started we've been going through uh, the different types of prayer and we got to really the prayer of uh, speaking with other tongues, praying in other tongues. And we've been on this for a little while and you know, I believe that uh it's necessary to 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 go through this a little bit more in depth than maybe some of the other prayers because the word of god has more to say about it than other prayers and so uh really the whole chapter of first corinthians and uh, uh uh several parts of uh first corinthians 14 and several parts of first corinthians chapter 12 talk about speaking in, in other tongues and of course the whole book of acts is filled with it right throughout the whole book of acts we went through all of that early on in discussion uh praying with tongues so as far as praying in other tongues How many people in the body of Christ does the Lord uh, desire to speak with other tongues? All of us, right? Was it always the intention that everyone is a Pentecostal Christian? That was always the intention of the Lord, right? That all Christians were baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's different phrases for that, baptized with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, having the Spirit come upon you. All of those are phrases for the same thing, uh, that uh, you receive the second work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, which is uh, being filled with the Spirit and having the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Uh, and, you know, there seems to be some controversy about that in the in the body of Christ. Sometimes people don't believe that, that, you know, they thought that that was done away with, right? It's never been done away with. Some people will say it's of the devil, right? Anybody ever been to a church where they say speaking other tongues is of the devil? Uh, and um, uh, I know several denominations believe that speaking other tongues is of the devil, even though. I can guarantee you if you're like Paul and you speak in tongues more than you all, then the fruit of that is you will not be anything like the devil. In fact, you'll be a very uh, righteous uh, child of God, uh, guaranteed, if you spend that much time praying in other tongues. And so, uh, in fact, years ago, uh, someone had had uh, who didn't believe in in the Pentecostal experience said, well, we have observed that the Pentecostals do live. Uh, more holy lives than your average christian right (laughs) and so uh and i know that that wanes and that gets better and worse sometimes depending on the times and seasons Uh, but those that are really serious about praying with other tongues will live a life that's closer to god than than you could any other way and that doesn't disparage anybody Uh, but really if the lord gave us a tool that allows us to grow closer to him and we refuse to use that tool but we still desire to be close to him we don't have another way to do that other than the way that he gave to us. And so people, you know, a lot of Christians desire to be closer to God, but they'll say, well, that, that speaking in the tongues isn't for me. Then they've limited themselves. They can only get so close to God because he said, here's how you get access to the spirit realm, which is praying with other tongues. Uh, and people will say, well, I don't want that. Well, then, then, then you have capped yourself as far as how close to the realm of the spirit that you can live. Uh, and so... Again, that's not to disparage anybody if if the head of the church said here's the best way to do it And you look at that and say I don't want to do it that way Then you can never have god's best right Uh, and that's not on god. He's not withholding anything from you It's just the way the scriptures are set up that that he intends for us as servants of the most high god to follow his word and and to do what his word has instructed us to do Uh, and so the lord has always desired uh, and really, and not just desired, but he, it was a commandment, right? He said, "Tear you in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high." Uh, and when he said that, that was that a suggestion? No. But you know, uh, you remember when Jesus Paul Paul talked about when Jesus was on the earth. You know, he was on the earth after the resur- after the resurrection. There's 50 days really from Passover until the Pentecost, right? So the so Passover was one of the great feasts. Pentecost is one of the great feasts. And so, according to the Jewish calendar, there's 50 days between those two feasts, and Jesus appeared to to people on the earth for about 40 days after all that happened, and so that was, of course, 40 days plus the three days that he was in he was in the grave, so that's about 43 days. So, uh, really, only about a week went by where we we didn't know what he was doing, and then Pentecost hit. But uh, Paul said that that Jesus appeared to about 500 people. Uh, but how many people were in the upper room? 120 right uh and you know that's about the right uh, percentage right i mean you can talk to 500 people and and 25 will do what the lord says right <laughs> the other 75 percent gonna do what they say right uh, now he appeared to them. can you imagine the lord jesus appearing to somebody and you know he, he told them all the same thing go to jerusalem carry until uh you're due to the power from on high uh and as far as we know he didn't appear to any any uh unbelievers he only appeared to believers and and so you know he told all of them to go to Jerusalem and and uh, Terry with everybody else and only 25 percent went right. So uh, and I don't know what percentage of the whole body of Christ Pentecostal Christians are. But, you know, it's probably a fairly significant number. Right. I mean, maybe 25 percent. I don't know. Uh, And so. uh, And then, of course, you know, how how do you get baptized with the Holy Spirit? Right. Well, I mean, there's there's a number of ways that you can do it. A common way is to have hands laid upon you, right? But you don't have to do that that way, right? You can. If he said this promise belongs to you and your children, to all those who are far off. So the promise belongs to you. You can do that in, in the privacy of your room, right? You don't have to uh, have hands laid upon you. Um, uh, that's probably the most common way that, that it can be done. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, it's it's about you yielding yourself to the Spirit of God and to have faith that if the Lord says, uh, that's, that that uh, you can be filled, then you can be filled, and a lot of times Christians get in fear. Well, what if you know? What if it's not God? Uh, well, I mean, it's faith, right? You're believing that it is God, and, and so you know, do away with the fears because th- do the fears come from God? No. If uh, he, in fact, didn't he say that if you ask for uh, a fish, uh, what's he going to give you? He's going to give you a fish, right? He's not going to. You're not going to ask for a fish. And get a stone right so you're not going to ask for the holy spirit and get a devil because if you're born again you can't get a devil anyway you can't be possessed with the devil so um so you know and uh, of course we we haven't done that in a while but um you know we can um as the lord instructs we can have a prayer line for those that want to be filled with the spirit we lay hands on you and get you filled with the spirit right uh and so um so really we're in chapter 14 of first corinthians and, and uh really the majority of the chapter is talking about speaking with other tongues and the primary purpose of speaking with other tongues uh, there's two uses of it right one use is for your personal uh, prayer life right Paul said in verse 15 what is it then I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding I will sing with the spirit I'll sing with understanding Uh, and so you can use your uh, praying in tongues in times of prayer Uh, and the nice thing is if you're if you're praying in the Spirit or praying in other tongues, both phrases mean the same thing, then uh, who's giving you the words to pray? Where do the words come from when you, when you speak with other tongues? They come from the Holy Spirit, right? So the words are coming from the Holy Spirit. So if you're praying in other tongues, then whose words are you praying? Well, you're praying those words from the Holy Spirit, right? And, and Jesus said he will not uh, speak of himself, but he will only say those things which he hears. So who's telling the Holy Spirit what to say? Well, specifically, it's Jesus, right? Because he said, I'm going to send them to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. and He's going to say the things which I I instruct him to say. So. So you're praying to God, the father, words that Jesus gave to the Holy Spirit. So uh, you've got all three, you know, Father, Son and Holy Ghost covered every time you pray in other tongues. Uh, And so you reckon the Holy Spirit's ever going to give you words to speak that are, that are not biblical. No, they're going to be the perfect prayer, right? So that's one advantage of speaking with other tongues and praying with other tongues is you're praying the perfect prayer, right? You're praying the exact words, the best words, the most faith filled words that you can praying with other tongues. So th- that right there is a great advantage all by itself, right? Uh, and so, you know, sometimes people say, well, there's no real advantage to praying with other tongues. Uh, I mean, there's a, so much in the word about it, you know. I think, I think uh, we should be able to come, come to that conclusion pretty quickly that there's a great advantage to praying with other tongues. So uh, we, we got down to, uh, in First Corinthians chapter 14, we got down to verse 26 there. So let's start with that verse. Uh, and it says, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. Uh, And if you remember back in the beginning of the chapter, it said uh, that um, uh, in verse three, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation and comfort. Right. And so so edification is to build up and and to make stronger. Uh, And so uh, so here he, of course, he covers several different things. So he says, when you come together. So this is really talking about a church service. Right. So he's no longer talking about your personal prayer time, but a time that you're in public uh, with other believers gathered together to worship the Lord. He said, every one of you hath a psalm, right? So uh, remember we had read back in Ephesians chapter 5 about uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making a melody in your heart to the Lord. Uh, and so there is there is an aspect of singing, right? And so that's one reason why we sing in church, because the Bible says that we have a psalm. Uh, and, you know, and we don't do that, uh, that much around here, but I have been in many church services where, you know, there, there's a quiet time and then somebody will just initiate a psalm, start singing a psalm, amazing grace or, you know, uh, the blood of Jesus or something. And then everybody will pick that chorus up and, and sing along with them. And and so there's nothing wrong with doing it that way, There's nothing wrong with doing it the way that we do it. Uh, but, you know, sometimes there's just a song in your heart that you want to sing. And we've had people over the years say, hey, could you sing such and such a song? You know, and why is that? Because they have a song that's in their heart, a psalm that's in their heart that they want to worship the Lord in that particular day with that psalm um, and, and he said so every one of you so when he says every one of you so this is not just talking about the the ministry right this is not just talking about the pastor it's talking about all of us right so all of us have the holy spirit in us right especially if we're baptized with the holy spirit A- and one thing you have to appreciate anytime you read anything in the new testament any of the epistles right really from the book of acts to the book of revelation you always have to understand that every single writer wrote with the understanding that christians were all baptized with the holy spirit and spoke with other tongues so that's a, a basic assumption of every verse in the new testament that all christians are not only born again but also filled with the holy spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues and that's a general understanding of all the writers so they're not writing to some people who are just you know uh, don't believe in the holy spirit and some who do and you know they're not even addressing that that uh, controversy anywhere because it wasn't a controversy for them It was always the assumption that, well, we're doing what Jesus told us to do. So anytime you see uh, certain things, uh, like in this verse here, you can understand that this verse is talking about spirit-filled Christians. So spirit-filled Christians have the ability, because of the Spirit of God in them, to have a psalm that's from the Spirit of God. Now, some of these psalms are psalms that come from the Spirit himself, right? You know, we have the Book of Psalms, which is 150 psalms. We have psalms that other people have written, like Charles Wesley and different people over the years and of course um all you know a lot of the songs we sing are are psalms like amazing grace it's kind of a psalm uh and so uh but a lot of these psalms can come by the spirit in the moment right some of the songs that we sing are psalms that the lord has given to chris uh and, and so uh so everybody has the capacity that hey a song can rise up it could be a song a psalm that you know it could be a psalm that the Lord gives you in the moment. Uh, and he says, hath a doctrine. So, you know, uh, people can have different things that they can teach, you know. And, and, and so, again, this is talking about uh, every member of the body of Christ there. Hath a tongue, uh, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Uh, and so tongues and revelation and interpretations, in this case, he's kind of uh bunch of them all up together uh, because, you know, a tongue is not understood unless there's an interpretation but even a revelation could not be understood if, unless it's an interpretation, right? Somebody may say, hey, you know, God is wanting to do great things or something. And, well, what he's talking about specifically for this church is this, this, and this. Uh, and so, uh, but but all of us can have the capacity to do that. Now, that doesn't diminish the leadership because the leadership is still here to kind of oversee the whole service and make sure that things are going well and things aren't getting out of, out of balance. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I've been in plenty of services where the whole service was just really – individuals doing certain parts of the service you know somebody will, will give, do a prophecy somebody do a tongue and somebody will sing a psalm uh, and but then the pastor still kind of oversaw the whole thing because sometimes you know all that's going well and then somebody you know just wants to flesh out a little bit and take the service where it shouldn't go right hey let's you know let's talk about the picnic next week well we're not talking about the picnic next week next week we're, t- we're, we're worshiping God uh, and so uh, but, you know, uh, when you have a collection of believers that all desire the Lord, then a lot of the times these things can happen. Uh, and, and he said, at the end of it, let all things be done unto edifying. Uh, and so, you know, it's really not, not the job of the individual people in a church to, to correct and to criticize other members of the church in that, in that scenario, right? We're supposed to be here to build each other up. If there's correction that needs to take place, That's generally the responsibility of the of the shepherd of the flock and not for the individual sheep to go correct other sheep. Uh, That's the general rule. Right. Uh, That could you help a brother out? You know, if you're close friends with him, well, well, maybe. But uh, but, you know, I've seen a lot of abuses in that where sheep over here, go over there and, and, you know, ball out that sheep over there, you know, about something they've done wrong uh, and never take it to the pastor. uh, And, um, you know, usually that ends up in conflict and not doesn't really work out the best for everybody uh, involved uh paul is saying whatever we're doing in public in a public service it needs to edify and, and add to the service add to the church right add to the individual in the church so uh, if if every time you prophesy it's you bunch of weasels and no count christians you all need to straighten up and quit being such big sinners that's not really edifying anybody right and so he, and, and so the instruction is that whatever we do should edify the church right uh, and if you got a thorn in your craw and want to you know just you know, say some things, just straighten everybody up, come see me, right? We'll talk about it, right? And, and that's really what Paul is saying. You know, if you're doing something outside that, he said, let all things be done for edifying. So, you know, the shepherd can, can address things from the pulpit, and, and uh, hopefully they can be addressed without having to call out people specifically. We talked some about that uh, last week about, uh, about how all things, the secrets of all of our hearts are made manifest by the presence of God, by the Spirit of God. But but he's talking about now in verse 26 where where the individual members of the church do have the spirit of God in them and they can add to the church. They can add to the service. Right. They can speak with other tongues. They can prophesy. They can give a a tongue an interpretation of tongues. Uh, And as long as it's done for edifying, then we're in order. Right. If we cross the line and start getting into correction, into criticism and to, you know, calling out sin or whatever that is none of that's for edifying right uh, and some of that may be necessary but that's not the role uh, of the people there in the moment right uh, and so then he starts getting into some specifics it says if any man speak in in an unknown tongue let it be by two or at the most three and that by course or in turn and let one interpret so uh, he's saying you know that uh, that people could uh, uh give multiple uh words in tongues right uh you have multiple tongues uh in the church and then somebody can interpret it now this is this is one of my favorite verses because legalistic people hate this verse because he said let it be by two or at the most three so what if it's four no you can't do four why can't you do four because it says two or three well then is it two or three because legalism requires a number. It can't be a range, right? It's, oh, I need a number, right? It can't be two or three. It needs to be two. Uh, it can't be, you know, two or at the most three. It needs to be one or the other. Uh, it, so what is he saying? Well, the reason why he's saying this, you know, again, you've got to understand the context. He's talking to a church that he said earlier on, you come behind in no good gift. And that gift there was charisma. And, and so the church w- had a reputation that you, and, and you can see that in the writing that sometimes you'd walk in and, and the whole service is speaking in other tongues. Well, if I just came up here and spoke in other tongues for an hour, what would you all get out of that? I mean, you'd be like, is, is he going to quit? Is he, is, he's still going. I mean, is 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I mean, is this the whole thing? Is
1: there,
0: are we missing something? Is there something else, right? I mean, you'd all be really confused, wouldn't you, if I just sat up here and spoke with other tongues for an hour. Uh, it, it, why? Because this church was out of control. They were way out of balance, right? They were coming and doing a whole service in tongues. And, and so Paul said, look, just limit it to two or three and move on. But but what if, you know, on a rare occasion, the Lord really wants to move in a spectacular way. And maybe there's five uh, messages in tongues. Would that be OK? Well, that'd be fine. Right. It's just the problem is, if it's always everything is speaking in the tongues, then we need to we need to bring that back the balance. So so people, are, you know, will try to use verses like this to constrict the spirit of God. We're not supposed to constrict the spirit of God. We let him move freely. But really, what happens if if we're all speaking with the tongues? Because you know, really, because he's in you, you can speak in other tongues anytime you want to, uh, and, and you know, as long as you yield to that, and, and you know, you'll have to ask the Holy Spirit. You know, why does he allow that to happen? Because he's the one who gives the words, right? But you still speak with the tongues. You'll have to ask him. You know, why he allows it to happen? Because at some point, he still allows you to use your own will, uh, and so. You know, why didn't the Holy Spirit constrict them where they weren't speaking with other tongues? Well, you'll have to address that with him, right? Uh, if he allows it to happen, he allows it to happen. But that doesn't mean that He that, that's his perfect will. And they were clearly out of the will of God in doing that. Uh, and so uh, in, in that moment, you know, uh, when they were doing that, it was just really got to where, hey, well, they're speaking of other tongues. I'm going to speak other tongues. Well, they're speaking in tongues. I'm going to speak other tongues. So, the so there's a lot of competition and trying to, you know, one up and ship and just... You know, it was just a big mess. And so Paul was trying to bring order to that. So so when I read that, there's no law because a law would be two or three, but not two or three. Right. Uh, it's either two or three, but not uh, either one uh, in this case. Uh, and then in turn. Uh, and like I said, I, I've been in many services where where a speaker is speaking and t- uh, speaking. Right. And right in the middle of them speaking, somebody will jump up and start speaking other tongues. Well, is that in turn? No, that's that's them overriding what's overriding what somebody else is already doing, right? So, you're cutting a line, right? You're you're being rude and disrespectful. Uh, and and I, can't, I mean, so many times, and people will say, well, you know, brother, you can't quench the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Well, the spirit of God, he said, let all things be done under edifying, right? He said, do it in turn. He didn't say, just talk over somebody else. Now, listen, sometimes, you know, we're all praying other tongues, right? And so, we're not, we're not, Speaking to people, we're speaking to God, and all of us can be doing that at the same time, which is perfectly fine, right? No, nothing wrong with that. And sometimes, you know, when we're all just praying, right? I mean, of course, we do that on Fridays. But, you know, sometimes even during service, at the beginning of service or, you know, right after the last song, there's, a, there's moments where it's quiet, and we, we can be, all be speaking with other tongues. And, and there's been plenty of times when uh, in, the, in the middle of a prayer service or middle of a, of a song service, we all just move over into praying with other tongues, everybody praying in different tongues because it's really still uh, addressing that to the Lord and not to each other uh, in those times and seasons and so uh, so the the issue is when people start uh, stop being polite you know it's just generally polite not to talk over somebody right uh, and just start talking right and start start overriding what somebody else is saying or take the take the service into a different you know different direction you know you're going down this way and you know you talk about this and he's in, Someone raises their hand and say, you know, hey, did uh, Adam have a belly button? Well, I mean, you know, that's maybe a point of discussion, but that's got nothing to do with speaking in tongues, right? So don't ask about Adam's belly button. It's not it's not relevant. But uh, people do stuff like that all the time, right? Things that are irrelevant and change the course and direction of the service. And uh, and that's really what Paul is trying to get here is we need to have order, right? Uh, don't be disrespectful. And so, uh, so he said, and let one interpret. He said, but in verse 28, he said, but if there is no interpreter, let him, the one who wants to speak with other tongues, keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So this is a really interesting thing because where did the tongue that was, that was going to be uh, spoken publicly for the edification of the whole church, who gave that person that tongue to speak? It was the Holy Spirit, right? The, it, the source of that was the Holy Spirit. But Paul said, uh, you know, generally speaking, if you, if you give a tongue out in public, there should be somebody that interprets it. Sometimes it's the same speaker as the one speaking in tongues. Sometimes it's a different person. And, and, you know, people know generally, hey, I'm used to give a tongue, but, you know, generally I'm not used to give the interpretation of that. Uh, And that's the scenario here where somebody is generally used to, by God, to speak a public tongue. And somebody else is generally used to interpret that tongue, but maybe they've got nursery today, so they're not in the service. And, And so... Uh, he said, "If there's no interpreter, let let him keep silent." But it came from the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, "I know that, but still, you need to keep silent because it doesn't do anybody any good to speak a tongue that's, that nobody understands, uh, and so they're not going to be edified." So he said, "Just keep silent, and, and just pray to God." Well, brother, you're quenching the spirit. I'm, I'm just reading what Paul said. Right? Paul said, "If the Spirit of God gives you a tongue to speak publicly, but you know that the that the person that god is generally used in the service to to uh interpret that tongue is not there then just keep it to yourself and, and that right there makes some christians spitting mad i mean they get so mad about stuff well you know you question whether they're really being yielded to the spirit of god or to their own flesh right want to be seen you know want to want to prove how spiritual they are because uh, paul i mean this is pretty simple right it's not hard to understand uh, and so if you give out a and i know uh just listen to other ministers uh uh i know one mention in particular that god uses them a lot in interpretation of tongues and he says you know sometimes people speak with other tongues but you know the tongues you do the speaking as the spirit gives you the words and so it has to come through you And He said some people, when they speak with other tongues there's so much of them in that that it's really hard to interpret because it's it's as much of them as it is the holy spirit and so it's kind of hard to explain maybe but uh but that is the case you know sometimes uh you know, when sometimes people speak within the tongues. You know, I'll have their interpretation. But then sometimes you'd be like, I have no, I got nothing right. You know, I got, you know and that may be on me as much as it's on them. But but sometimes, you know, people, because of competition or whatever reason, you know, when they even when they speak with other tongues in public, that is difficult for an interpreter to because because we're interpreting it by the Holy Spirit. The words and tongues were given by the Spirit. We give the interpretation. So it's not a translation. It's an interpretation by the Holy Spirit. In other words, what's the gist of what they're saying? So we're not trying to translate every syllable to an English word because that may be a language of the angels that there is no translation for that. Uh, and so, uh, so in that case, then, if there's a lot of that person in that, in that speaking of the tongues, it does make it more difficult to, uh, to uh, interpret them by the Spirit of God. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul is telling the person who has a word from the Lord, uh, he didn't say they don't really have a word from the lord well why does the lord do that why does the lord give a word when he knows there's no interpreter you know that that would have to discern the mind of god right sometimes uh you know my understanding of the lord is the lord does what he does because that's his will and his will is to give a tongue out that day and just because there's not an interpreter his will doesn't change right he never changes so He was to give that word and it's it's the person who's receiving the word. It's up to them to decide uh, to yield to that or not yield to it. And Paul said, if that's the case, then you need to decide not to yield to that word. Uh, Is that what the Bible says? Well, then are you in violation of the spirit of God? No, because the word of God is always is always trumps everything else. Right. Always trumps. And and there are a lot of Christians who believe, well, if God gave me the word, I just got to give out that word. Well, then you're out of order because. Uh, in fact, we'll continue on with these verses and see what else he says about that because he covers that in more specific here in just a minute. Uh, then he moves over to prophets. He said, let the prophets speak uh, two or three and let the other judge. Uh, and so again, so now you have not just um, the general Christian who has the ability to operate in the, uh, speaking with other tongues and having somebody interpret. He also says that there can be prophets, right? Uh, members of the fivefold ministry in the service and you know they're used of god to speak out prophecies so typically they wouldn't be necessarily speaking with the tongues he doesn't talk about tongues here so the the understanding is they're talking about words uh that uh, uh according to first corinthians chapter 12 so you've got tongues interpretation tongues and prophecy so now you've you, he's talking about the prophets who have uh the, a word from the lord to speak out uh, and he said again uh, does he limit it uh, to people here to a certain number here he does right let the prophets speak how many two or three just like he told the ones who have a tongue right two or three so what's the number is it two or three well that depends right if there's only two people then let two people what if there's three Well, then let three be. what if it's four well you got to decide you know uh, where are we going with this right uh, and, if, and if that's the flow really of the spirit of god that there's going to be four people that speak out by the, the spirit of prophecy then it's probably okay right but again, if it's every single service, that every single service is a prophetic uh, prophetic word, then it's probably not every single service that's a prophetic word, right? Because sometimes the primary purpose of the church is to instruct and to teach, right? That's the primary purpose of the church is to instruct and to teach the children of God in the word of God. Uh, and so if everything is prophesying uh, and everything is speaking in the tongues, then when is the word uh, taught in the church so then it gets pushed aside right for the move of the spirit uh, and that's where things get out of balance when there's more move of the spirit than there is word of the spirit then uh, things are out of balance and so we we have to keep that balance in there. and that's really what paul is trying to get so is there a law about how many prophets can speak well no it's two or three and it's really you know in that moment you have to decide where are we going and re- and really the one deciding would be the pastor or the shepherd in that particular flock where are we going with this? Lord, is, is this the direction you want to go? And they may decide in a moment that, well, you know, we could just be really wild and let five prophets speak, right? Uh, now, it might be unusual to have five prophets in one church, right? Uh, but he said, let the prophets speak and let the other judge. In that case, the word other there is, is a singular word. So he's really talking about the other. If there's two judges, then let the, the third judge, uh, the third prophet judge uh, uh, what they've said. And, you know, it's not necessary to, to say, you know, what they said is okay. It's really only an issue when what they said is not okay. Then, you know, uh, y- you don't, you're not required to speak, right, every single time. So, in other words, you know, just let things be done uh, unto edifying, right? Everything should be done unto building up the church and edifying the church. And if you've got prophets speaking, then, you know, what they're saying, everything that they're saying, and, and, and it says right there that they, that they should allow what they're saying to be judged. And any person who speaks from what they say is the Word of God or the Spirit of God and is not willing for it to be judged uh, does not hold any position with the Lord. Uh, A lot of people say, well, God gave it to me, you know, you can't judge it. What did he say right here? He said, let the prophet speak. So he's not just talking about Christians, right? He's talking about people who are called to the ministry, called to the fivefold ministry, specifically to the office of the prophet. He said what they say can and should be judged. Uh, And that's healthy, right? I mean, you shouldn't fear... Uh, anything you say to be judged, and you know for me personally, I have no fear of everything I say from a pulpit to be judged by you. you all should judge it as being acceptable from the word of God or not uh and and i'm perfectly fine with that right if you came up and say, hey what you just said doesn't doesn't line up with the Word of God, and nothing wrong with uh uh you know having some discussion about that you know in, in faith school we've been talking about um uh about the uh, once saved always saved, and you know how that's not an accurate doctrine but we had to kind of get through that, you know. We had a long discussion, and and, and um, you know the nice thing about the folks that that are in faith school is they're not shy about saying, well, you know, did you say this or did you say that? And and you know I got no problem with that because that's really sincere, right? They're really they're really trying to find the truth, and they want to make sure that we don't we don't get into error. And so, you know, we got to we got to an agreement, and so it was good. It was a little tough getting there, uh, but that's just because. You know, they want the Word of God. They want the truth, right? They don't want it just some crazy doctrine. Uh, and they're really to be commended for that. And so so if I'm not willing to be judged as far as what I'm teaching uh, the folks there, you know, and, and they were doing that. They were judging what I was saying, not in a wrong way, but in, a, in an accurate way where they're taking what I've said and then going back to the Word of God and trying to make sure that they reconcile correctly. Uh, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, we we, we agreed on everything, and, and uh, but they were just making sure... Because it's really easy when you're talking about a doctrine like that to get it out of balance, right? And so they wanted to make sure everything was in balance. Uh, and, that's, and that's really healthy and, and, uh, uh, and good for the church to do that. So uh, he said
1: uh, in, in
0: verse 30, If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. So in other words, you know, uh, you've got three. The first one's got something. The second guy's got something. The third one guy's got something. And the fourth guy's got something. And he said, uh, if the fourth guy gets something, he said, let the first guy hold his peace. In other words, don't speak. Uh, Well, why? Well, you're preferring your brother over yourself, right? Uh, And and so uh, he said in verse 31, for we we may all or ye may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. Uh, So but you've got to put verse 31 with verse 30, right? He said. Uh, all may prophesy, right? So we know, according to 1 Corinthians 12, that the spirit of prophecy, so earlier he's talking about specifically an office, the, the office of the prophet, but now he's saying everybody in the church has the capacity, if they're filled with the spirit, to prophesy. In other words, speak by sudden inspiration, right, in English, and, and that's the context of what he's talking about here. So at any given moment, the Lord could give all of you all uh, a a prophetic word, right, a word that's uh, from the sudden inspiration of the spirit right so it's not a word about what's going to happen tomorrow you know it's not a, not uh, uh, a word about um, future events it's words for edification exhortation and comfort and he said all of you can do that at any given time all of you can do that because really you're just yielding to the spirit of god and doing that uh, he said but don't do that he said you all could do it everybody could do it but don't do that let two three through it The most three do it uh, and he said and and if you know that uh, someone is about to give a word and how do you know maybe they twitch or something i don't know maybe you know maybe they're just you know shaken or you know who knows what the sign is but you know you probably can sense that somebody else uh, has got a word maybe they start to say something and somebody else starts to say something you know sometimes you do that and you yield to the other person so now you know that the other person also got a word so the paul said well then you just you just be quiet let the other people you know prefer your brother over yourself Uh, and in other words be polite right i mean it's just you know, I have observed that it seems like in the charismatic world, we, we forgot everything we learned in kindergarten. You know, be polite, right? Uh, prefer your brother over yourself. You know, don't talk over somebody else, you know. Uh, and and that's really, everything that he's saying is here is, you know, two or three is probably good. You start with, you know, if there's three or four, you know, let them be quiet and let the other ones uh, go before them. Uh, and and um, he said, because everybody could do it. And that what he says. Everybody could do it. Everybody has the capacity if they will learn to yield to the holy spirit to speak out something by the spirit of god uh, and it's really you know um you know generally speaking uh in the structure of the church it's not unreasonable to you know raise your hand or say hey, i've got a word from the lord you know is it okay if i give it out you know that's fine uh and you know sometimes in the moment it's it's obvious that it would be a, an appropriate time to do that without necessarily raising your hand um and and so you know you work it out together as a, as a church family, right? Uh, and so uh, if somebody's always, you know, uh, overriding somebody else, well, then, you know, that needs to be addressed, right? That needs to be, you know, that person needs to learn some manners, right? Learn how to not be rude and, and, and talk over somebody, right? And, um, and and always make sure that whatever you do, you don't change the course of the service. And that, you know, I don't know how to emphasize that more, but, you know, there's always, a, there's always uh, I believe in every service there's a will of God. We want to go in this direction. And you've got to be careful that, you know, whatever is in your heart or in your mind, if that takes the, the service, you know, hard right, right in the middle of everything, then don't ever do that. Because th- that right there is quenching the spirit, right? It's not quenching the spirit by not saying something. It's quenching the spirit when you, when the flow is going in this direction. Well, let's talk about healing, right? We're talking about healing. And you go, God wants us all to prophesy or to to uh, uh, to prosper. OK, that's great. Although true, it's got nothing to do with healing. So you just took the service in a hard, you know, a hard right. Right. You just changed the course and direction of the service. Uh, and is that a word from the Lord? Well, it could be. It's just not a word for the Lord for that moment.
1: Right. Uh,
0: and so, uh, well, you know, you don't quench the spirit. Paul is telling you to be quiet. He's saying if others have already spoken, then be polite, be quiet. right? Uh, so because uh, he goes on and really the key verse in all of this stuff here, uh, it says in verse uh, we, we didn't finish verse thirty one for, for you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. So if your words are. Um, uh, if your words are words that don't bring comfort, if they bring correction or bring rebuke. You know those are not words of comfort. Then you might want to talk to the pastor before you give that word out, right? Uh, and he said uh, that's the that should be the goal, to instruct and to and to comfort. And he said the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So uh, you ever heard somebody, especially in the charismatic? I just couldn't help it. I just had to say that. Well, then what you're saying is that spirit is not subject to, to you, right? The spirit of the prophet is not subject to the prophet. You had to do it. But he said the spirit of the prophet is subject to prophet, which means this, the spirit of the prophet can go. It's not the appropriate time to give this particular word out. You know, and, and even in a service, it may be time, you know, at this part of the service. But if you miss your opportunity, it, that may never come back again, right? Because the service is, is moving and progressing. And and so that word just may have to sit on a shelf. Maybe the Lord lets you do it next week. Maybe he doesn't. Right. And, and maybe it's covered some other way. Um, but be OK with that. Right. Well, I just had to give it out. No, you don't have to give it. out. He said right there that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, which means at the end of the day, if the spirit of God prompts you, you as an individual have uh, the the go or no go, whether whether you're going to do that or not. It's up to you to make that decision. It's not up to the Spirit of God, because Paul said all of you may prophesy at any given time, but only let two or three do it. So if everybody can prophesy, but only two or three need to do it, then all the other ones that could prophesy need to decide, you know, I'm not going to do that right now. It's, you know, there's been enough of that. You know, they've all covered close to what the Lord wants me to cover. And, um, And it's clear that the service is going this direction. So let's not change the course and direction of the service. You know, it's really just, Back to kindergarten, right being polite, uh, and I can't tell you how many times services have just been you know they're going you know 90 miles an hour this way, and somebody puts the brakes on and does a hard right you know and just and then and then you know then you then you're required to figure out how to get back because the spirit of God you know my observation is when that happens, the spirit of God just leaves, and then the minister is stuck with, well what do I do now right the spirit of God's left and 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 by you know, trying to bring it back and, and, and taking a little bit of time, you can usually get it back on track there. But that person that did that, you know, they had no, no regard for anybody else in the service. And so just be careful, that you know, you don't ever want to change the course and direction of service, right? Always, before you speak, always judge in your own heart, Lord, is this something that you want to speak right now in this moment?
1: Uh, and,
0: and, and, you know, if the answer is always yes, it's probably not always yes, right? There's probably times when the Lord goes, just just be quiet for just a minute, right? And, and
1: and there'll be an
0: opportunity after a while, right? And sometimes it may be, you know, sometimes a word is given to you and it's for you. And so you have to discern, is this word for me or is this word for everybody in the church?
1: Uh,
0: and so, you know, because because we're sometimes young and inexperienced in the Lord, we just think that every word given to us is for public consumption and we've we got to give it out. And yet all of these verses say you don't always have to give it out because there's this this is this is the area of the church uh, in the charismatic world that has the most confusion and and the most um, error in the church when people just uh, don't understand that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets right they're subject to you you decide if that word's going to be given out or not Uh, and so uh, is that what the bible says that's what the bible says right so if you say, well, you just can't, well, then go back and read it again. You just have to give it out to go back and read it again. Paul is saying in, in several different ways and several different times in these verses, there are times when although you have what you believe is a word from the Lord, you should not give it out. Well, why not? It's just sometimes not the right time, right? Uh, and are we okay with that? I mean, I'm okay with it because that's what the word says, right? And there have been plenty of times when I felt like there's a, a word from the Lord to be spoken and... Uh, you know the, you missed missed the window and then you know i see what's going on and, and so I, I don't say anything and there have been times really even in this ministry that i believe that there was an opportunity for the word of the lord to come out but uh and i've had people after the service say you know i believe i had a word from the lord and, and i didn't give it out well you know in in a situation like that there's usually a window of opportunity when it's appropriate by the spirit of god to give that word out but that word doesn't carry the same anointing at the end of the service And so if you miss your opportunity, it's just it just I mean, you could say those words, but they don't carry the weight of the anointing when they're supposed to be given. Right. And so you just missed your opportunity. Go on. Right. Just move on. And and all is well. And, you know, there's no blood, no foul. And nobody's hurt by it, except that we missed the blessings of the Lord from that. Right. So I think for us in this ministry, I've seen it way more often where there there could be a word from the Lord. But because of our fears or because, you know, well, you know, what if I'm wrong or you know, I I don't, is it, what if it's not God? And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to be really scary. Right. I mean, I wouldn't rebuke anybody unless you just said, you know, something crazy like Jesus isn't Lord or, you know, God told me to, for all you give me all your money or something crazy like that. Right. Uh, but if it's just a word of exhortation, right. Uh, then, you know, it's okay. Right.
1: And, and,
0: um, uh, you know, and so really, you know, my desire is for all of us to feel, uh, the the freedom to to um, uh, to do that and really you know if you've never yielded to the Lord much in that way you know it it would be helpful to you to do whatever the Lord uh, instructs you to do and then check with me after the service Pastor was that okay was that in line with 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 the Word uh, you know some people will never will never allow themselves to be judged but then Paul said let let the other one judge right it, and it would be helpful to you to help you grow in this area, to you know at least for a few times, say hey, you know, pastor, was that you know I would do it in public just to come up after the service, and say you know was that was that God? Because I usually know whether that's God or not because uh, you know I, I'm the pastor, right? I should know. I may not have that word. You've got the word, but I'll know if it's if it's of God. If the timing is right and the words were right, uh, and so it'd be it'd be good and helpful, Amen. And and I've done that many times over the years, and uh, and have helped. It's helped me tremendously to learn. You know about the move of god and those things and so so uh the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets so that whole idea well i just had to give it out not going to fly around here because if you say you had to do something uh then uh what what do we say around here a lot that any doctrine that removes your uh personal choice out of the matter is not accurate doctrine so even in in the context of getting a prophecy from the lord himself he said, "You still have a free will in the matter to give it out or not." Is that what he says? You have a free will, a free choice, and if you choose not to give it out because somebody else has already spoken, two or three people have spoken, you know, or it would change the course of the service, you're not in error by not giving it out. You you have not quenched the spirit by not giving it out, uh, and so, uh, and we have to be okay with that, right? Uh, and so you know, we, we don't really deal with that much around here, you know, but I would like to see more of that. Wouldn't you like to see more of that? Because Paul said all of us could do it, right? So all of us in here can do it. And like I said, there have been times when I, I sense that, uh, you know, the Lord uh, has used me many times to give a word out, you know, sometimes in tongues, sometimes a prophecy. Uh, but I'm not the only one that's that has to do that, right? Uh, there are other people in a ministry that the Lord and I, and, and I know uh, specifically of some folks that the Lord would like to use in that way, but, you know, they can't uh, the Lord can't use them that way until they yield to that, right? They have to choose to yield to that, uh, and if they yield to it, well, well I'm afraid I'm going to be doing it wrong. Well, then don't do anything. Just go home and curl up in a fetal position and never yield to God, right? I mean, what's the what's the point? Uh, the thing about faith is all moves of the Spirit require faith on the person's part, right? You have to have faith that it's God, right? Uh, and uh, and be willing that if you're wrong, to to uh, you know, take the hit, move
1: on, right? And 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 um, uh,
0: you know, I remember one time uh, somebody came up to me and said they, were going, they went to another church. And they said, well, you know, God gave me a word for so-and-so at the church. And I just had to give it to him. Well, what did I hear as soon as I said that? Blah, 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 right? You don't have to do it. Uh, and, and, um, and they said, well, I went up to him. I said, well, you're just wrong. You're backslidden, blah, 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 right? And he said, then, uh, then the pastor called me the next day and said, you were wrong for doing that. And he said, can you believe a pastor would do that? Tell me that I was wrong for giving a word from the Lord. I said, well, did you check with a pastor that, uh, that it was okay to speak to that person first? No. Well, God gave it to me, you know. Uh, let two or three speak, let the other judge, right? You should be willing to judge. You should be willing to let whatever you think God has given to you to be judged. And if you're not, if you're too afraid for it to be judged, then it's probably just flesh anyway, right? Right. Uh, and, and it, well, I'm afraid to, to be, for to be judged because what if I'm wrong? Well, it would be better to be judged and not give it and you're wrong than to give it and still be wrong. Then you, now you're doubly wrong, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, have a have a desire that, Lord, uh, if you want to use me this way, I'm willing to be used that way. Uh, but I'm willing to be trained to do that. Amen? Uh, and so so I, I asked a fellow, I said, well, did you check it with the pastor? No, because his word was not words of edification, exhortation, or comfort. They were words of rebuke and correction. Well, he's a sheep. It's his job to rebuke and correct the sheep. I mean, you know, you go to the, the farmers, right? And there's no sheep carrying the staff around the, the farm, right? That's the job of the shepherd, right? Uh, and, but a lot of sheep, you know, I, got, I just had to tell him. No, you didn't have to tell him. Because, number one, you know, it's not likely. I mean, it could happen, but it's not likely that the Lord is going to tell this sheep how to correct this sheep over here. It's just not likely. It could happen, but it's really it would be really
1: unlikely, right?
0: Uh, And uh, and so, number one, uh, the shepherd generally knows what needs to happen in people's lives, and maybe he knew about that problem in their life, and maybe the Lord it wasn't the time to tell that person yet. Maybe you know we gotta because sometimes the Lord will tell you about things that the only response for your part is to pray. It's not to go and blurt it out. Well, the Lord told me this, you know, thus saith the Lord, you know, uh, you're in sin. Well, maybe sometimes you pray that Lord uh, show them that they're in sin, show them that they need to straighten up. Maybe that's why he showed it, showed that to you. Right. I can't tell you how many things that the Lord has showed me about sheep in the, in the church that he's never given me an unction to speak to them about it, either publicly or privately. Uh, and so what do I do? I just pray because. That if that if I have no unction to go further than that, then then I'm assuming that, that that's what the Lord wants me to do is pray for them, right? Uh, because, uh, you know, some people that are dealing with sin, or you know, if that if that's the thing that you're talking about it, when they're dealing with sin. You know, it, it's such it's such a stronghold in their life that uh, they don't know how to get out of it. But if if they knew that somebody else knew, they would be devastated, and they may never recover themselves. But through prayer you can help strengthen their spirit man get their minds renewed uh, comfort them in the spirit realm so that they can get to a point where they can get out of the sin you know by themselves with the help of your prayer and see that's what a loving kind people would do for each other right people who always want to be the one pointing the finger you know being the sheriff of the body of christ they never make it long term you know they just because it violates so many other principles of the word of god you know walking in love and everything else Uh, and so so I said, well, did you check with the pastor? No. I said, well, how do you know that the pastor didn't already know about that and the Lord hadn't given him the time to deal with it or t- told him to, to address that specifically, that he just wanted him to pray about it? How do you know you weren't just supposed to pray about that without talking to the pastor? Uh, is, isn't he the, the head of the church and not you? Well, yeah, but God just told me to do that really the lord told you to usurp the authority of the pastor, to go above the pastor, to go beyond the pastor and to get out of alignment in authority and just do it yourself that would be really hard to believe it you know now unless the pastor's backslid you know or something just won't yield to god or something maybe but even that i mean the lord's got long suffering for for pastors you know i mean uh hopefully people do too right but but it's tough being a pastor sometimes people just shoot you you know first and ask questions later but uh and, you know, but the whole thing was he didn't want to be judged. He didn't want what he said to be judged. He thought he was more spiritual than a pastor. And, of course, the, the lady was in tears, bawling and crying because he, he did this thing. And I don't even know if it was correct or not. You know, I, I never did talk with the pastor. You know, my guess is whatever he said, he's made it up. Right. It wasn't wasn't God because it just, you know, to to have that, you know, because she was praying. He said she she was praying at the at the altar and he went up and rebuked her. I mean, it just how many different ways is that wrong, right? But in his mind, he was Mr. Superman and had a word from the Lord. He had to give it out and rebuke this this lady in the church of which he was not the pastor and show her how spiritually he was. Well, he showed her, right? He showed everybody else, too, how spiritual he was, which is not spiritual at all, right? Uh, and so, you know, there's always two aspects to the will of God. There's what the will is, and there's the timing of the will of God. And there are plenty of things that, that the Lord... Uh, will show you right now but it's not for it's not for right now it's for tomorrow or the next day you know maybe he shows you about somebody that you're praying for a family member or something that hey uh, this is not for you to address today this is for you to pray now and maybe in a season you address it maybe you never address it right Uh, and so and, and that's if you're really if you're really desirous of following god's will then the love of god is always the most important thing in your life right and walking in love and 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 the only way that i'd rebuke somebody and and address some specific sin is if the love of god in me compelled me to go do that for them because i care about them uh people that run around the body of christ with their little pointed fingers and they're the share of the body of christ they're not doing it out of love they're doing it out of, out of pride and envy and i have had a lot of pride and envious people come against me over the years because the, to rebuke me as a pastor and it's obvious they weren't doing it in love. They were doing it because they wanted to show me and put me in my place and whatever, you know, whatever childish reason they were wanting to do. And, you know, I, I really feel, feel sorry for them because someone like, they'll never grow in the Lord because they don't know. The love of God, the Bible says, covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? And if you're going to point your crooked little finger at somebody and be harsh towards them because they're in sin, are you perfect? We should all go. If we ever have to address somebody else's sin, we should all go with the knowledge, you know, we all have, have uh, done things wrong in our Christian life. And for us to stand as if we're perfect and have never failed is very prideful amen uh, and so really all of these things that he's dealing with here are are done to be uh, to to be edifying to the church to allow the church to grow and so you know I'd encourage you you know if if you've sensed that the lord has is wanted to use you in some of these areas that the the word from the lord um you know uh, if you don't know how to do it, you know, raise your hand. You know, if you don't know how to do it, you know, when there's a quiet time in the service, you know, uh, not usually. Once once I start preaching, it's pretty rare that it re- would interrupt that and, and change the course and direction of the prophecy. But you know, I have seen it happen and it would be correct and be appropriate. But there are times that you can sense in our services here even that it's the right time to do that, right? Uh, and uh, you know, uh, I've, have I ever rebuked anybody for doing that? Well, I know I've never done that, right? And really, to be honest, you know, the vast majority of times that this happened, it, it's not happened as much as I would like, but it's always been fine, right? It's always been okay. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes it's it's uh, maybe awkward for the first time you do it, but it really goes back to faith, right? Do you have faith that God is speaking to you and, uh, and then learn to yield to that, right? Uh, and so, uh, so everything should be done uh, to the point. For the purpose of edifying of the of the church, right, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, right. You are not. Uh, you don't ever say I had to say that. I had to give that word out, because you're saying that uh, verse thirty two is not correct. Verse thirty two should be ripped out of the Bible because my the my spirit is not subject to my will. I have I have to do. I just had to do it, right. Well, then you're in violation of the Word of God because it's not true, right. Uh, and that's usually when people are most in error, when they just feel like, oh, I just had to do it. Well, then you're in error. You're already in error. Even if what you say is technically correct, you're in error because you, you, you felt like you had to do it. Uh, and, and I know sometimes there's a stronger unction to do things than others. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, you get to choose, right? Does that make sense? I mean, to me, these verses are not hard to understand. Uh, uh, you know, the only thing I wonder sometimes is, Lord, why do you give a – because you said if there's like four – Uh, then let him keep silence why would you even give that guy a word to begin with if you know he can't give it out why'd you give him a word to begin with well you'll have to ask the lord about that you know Uh, you know i think some of those things he just does because you know sometimes to train us to learn how to walk in love sometimes you know it it seems to me sometimes that the spirit of god just he'll just move where he wants to move and then we have to figure out how to work with that within the constraints of that you know otherwise things gets gets crazy out of balance and so there seems to be some of that with the spirit of god you know, he's just going to do really everything, and then we gotta, we've got to figure out as, as uh, laborers together with him, like 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says that we are laborers together with him. I know we work for him, but we are laborers together with him, right? We work with him. So if he, if he tells five people to say things, and the first three do a good job, the other two go, you know, we'll wait till next time. You know, maybe this word will come back up. That's perfectly acceptable, right? Uh, and, uh, and But if, again, if the fourth and fifth you know, just really feel a strong unction to do it, and even after the first three, then you know it's probably okay, right? I mean, it, uh, we'll make sure we we keep things in balance, amen. And so we'll, we'll continue up. We uh, we'll probably finish up this chapter because you know it continues on some other things about uh, this area here. It uh, he does talk a little bit about the women there, and so of course we got to straighten you women out there. It's a big mess, right? Um, uh, but since it's part of this chapter and it kind of all fits in the same context. Uh, we'll just we'll cover that there because there's a lot of uh, crazy thoughts about all that stuff there, right? Uh, and so uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about that, but uh, not today, amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for His word today. So Father, we thank you for Your word. We thank you, Father, for the the understanding of Your word, Father, and and the accuracy of Your word. And Father, we thank you that it's Your desire for Your Spirit to move freely among us. But Father, at the end of the day, it's for us to decide the time when it's appropriate and not appropriate to speak. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you'll instruct and to guide. And, Father, I just, just thank you for uh, over the next uh, weeks and months, Father, that as you, as you move upon each of us in the church and the ministry, Father, that faith will rise up to speak the things that you desire for us to speak, Father. Because if we speak by your, by your spirit, then the church is made stronger. And so, Father, we need each other. We need each other to yield to your spirit. We need each other to speak the very words from God, Father, that you've placed in our hearts. And so, Father, we thank you that as that happens, the church is made stronger and is increased. And we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, he's good all the time. Amen. And so we'll pick, pick that up. You know, I really like chapter 14 there's a lot of interest i think interesting things in there things that you know i have seen of a lot of abuses in the body of christ in the area of the charismatic world that if we would just read chapter 14 and just take it to heart that a lot of that stuff would be uh, quenched you know and, and not not uh, not done and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering and you know i remember years ago we were at a, one of dr DeFrane's meetings and um, uh we were at a, at a big church and um come ahead mr jared and receive the offering uh, and uh, he he just prophesied over somebody in particular you know i don't remember the specifics because it was for them but when he got done prophesying over this person speaking some things about their life you know th- to edify them and encourage them that people started applauding right and, and we know you know uh, the uh, revelation that jesus gave to brother hagan was that uh, clapping is neither praise nor worship right uh, and so if we're clapping to a song that's really using our hands as an instrument, but applause doesn't really have a place in the church, right? We don't applaud God. We worship God, right? And so they were applauding, right? Like, oh, you know, you know uh, that was a good word, and, well, that was out of order, right? Uh, and, and, of course, if you've been around here, we've talked a lot about that over the years, and that was a, a, a big revelation that, that God had given to Brother Hagan. Because we don't applaud, right? We worship, and that's, that's his, we applaud presidents. We applaud governors and mayors, you know, but we don't applaud God, right? That's what we do for men. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, Dr. Dufresne was really gracious, which is unusual because sometimes he'd blast him out of the water, right? I mean, he's the prophet of God, right? Blast just, you know, just, you know, laser pistol and they're gone, right? But, but he was really gracious to him. He said, he, he asked him to stop, you know, please stop applauding. And he said, you know, my anointing on my life doesn't work well when, when you applaud. Because y- you're taking the focus off the spirit realm and into the natural realm of accolades, right? You, you take it from the spirit realm of worship to the natural realm of applauding. And so what are they doing? They're changing the course of the service, right? By their applauding. Uh, and so, uh, so they did, they did stop while, while he, when he asked them to stop. And they didn't do it anymore that night. But the very next night, same thing that he prophesied over somebody. And so what were they doing? Well, you know, see, in their hearts, the spirit of the prophet was not subject to the prophet. They had to applaud. And yet he already had asked them not to do that. Now, he said his anointing doesn't work well with applauding, which is correct. But really, there is no anointing that works well with applauding anyway. It never works. Right. It's always out of order when you applaud. Right. Again, it's not about clapping to a song or whatever and using your hands as an instrument. Uh, but, it, but but you know, people were, had the mindset, well, I had to do it. And so they were out of order, weren't they? Because as soon as you say you have to do it, then you're already wrong, right? And so anyway, it was it was an interesting uh, circumstance there. And it was really a shame because they chose not to honor what he had asked them to do the, just the night before, right? They just completely ignored him uh, and just really showed great disrespect for the the ministry of Dr. Dufresne, it would just show, you know, if I said, hey, you know, I'd appreciate if people didn't sit on the back row, right? Of course, people on the back row, right? And, and you all come to the next service, you sit on the back row anyway. Bunch of uh, rebellious, you know, people, I mean, uh, but, you know, people would do that. Well, I, it's my back row, you know, I have to sit back here. But, you know, maybe I asked you not to, right? I, I wouldn't do that. I don't care where you sit. None of my business where you sit, right? Don't feel like, oh, I can't sit on the back row. Sit on the back row, you know, be quiet, just do it, you know. Uh, but, but you know what I'm saying? If, if it's asked not to be done, but you do it anyway, well, then you're showing disrespect to the Spirit of God, right? Uh, and so praise God. Be blessed. Uh, have a wonderful week, week, Lord. We'll see you on Sunday.